Welcome to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory Goray, TJ Beter, and Kathy Goray. Each week, we talk about the connections between owners and their pets with an emphasis on topics that apply to greyhounds. If you want to hear more about your best friend, stay tuned. Now, here are your hosts. Happy Friday, plucky listeners. We're bringing you our first GMGP of March, and we're bringing it in like a really fast-running greyhound. And we hope you enjoy today's show. Our guest is Ethan Orr, Assistant Vice President for Government Affairs and Community Partnerships at the University of Arizona. Whew! That must make for a super-sized <laughs> business card. But before we bring today's guest on, I have a few things to ramble on about. First off, Phoenix Area Greyhound Adoption supporters, pay attention. This Saturday, March 7th, is Wiener Mania 2020 at Turf Paradise, and it's the biggest fundraiser of the year for Arizona Adopted Greyhound. Come on out and bring the entire family for a day of dogs and fun from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And please note, this is a Dachshund-only activity. No other breeds will be allowed on site. Sandy Paws, Great Fun in the Sun is right around the corner, March 12th through 15th, 2020, at Villas by the Sea Conference Center on Jekyll Island in Georgia. This tiny but mighty gathering is filled with old and new friends and oodles of beautiful greyhounds. There's still time to schedule your Jekyll Island graycation. Info, updates, and registration can be found at www.sandypaws.org. Oh, excuse me. The Heart of America Greyhound Gathering 2020 in Abilene, Kansas will be held June 18th, 19th, and 20th. Registration is now open. Visit the Heart of America Greyhound Gathering Facebook page for more info. Need photos? Think Royce Images Photography in York, Pennsylvania. They offer personalized and custom photography featuring a unique and creative approach. Two. Okay, flip the page here, Kathy. You, you know how to do this. You're a professional. Uh, from engagements and wedding sessions to families, children, and newborns, pets too. You can arrange your commercial or product sessions as well as get new professional business photos. With Royce Images Photography, you can have it all. To schedule an appointment, contact Royce Images Photography at 717 887 4860 or visit their website or Facebook page. Share the love by making a generous donation to your Greyhound Adoption Group. Remember, it's the least you can do for the folks who have provided you with the coolest pet ever. And don't forget, in the upcoming months, a whole lot of retired racing greyhounds will need safe transport to adoption groups so that they can find their forever families. Now, this is a very important plea to all of you out there because the day X-Racing Greyhounds are no longer available as pets will truly be a disaster. If you'd like to give financial assistance to those upcoming hauls, you can send your donations to Greyhound Pets of America National via their website at greyhoundpets.org. Click the Donate button in the left-hand column. And last but not least, your lucky GMGP hosts are always on the lookout for interesting guests and topics, as well as upcoming events. So if you have a suggestion, email us everything you know about the, the thing you want to tell us about. And you can find us at gmgp3 at, at yahoo.com. Don't forget, Greyhounds Make Great Pets, and that's spelled G-R-E-A-T, is also on Facebook. And it would mean a lot to us if you could give our page a like. Just look for GMGP Scooter. And that's all from this very inept blonde. I'm going to hand it over to Rory, and he can... Well, thank you, Kathy. (laughs) Um, First, I would like to offer my condolences to the Richard uh, Gamez family. Uh, Tragically, uh, Richard's a jockey. Um, passed away um, this last week, and uh, he was a great guy, loved racing, um, always had a smile on his face, um, and every time I was down there at Rulito Horse Track and he'd be mounting up to go out for a ride, it always gave me a fist bump. Um, very sad, uh, tragic that uh, Richard passed away. And you did mention the wiener races uh, at Turf Paradise. That's tomorrow. Yes. I will be there, so if you see me, uh, stop by and say hi. 
Um, and also for those who have been paying attention on my Facebook page, you may have noticed I've been removing a lot of items from the old uh, Phoenix Greyhound Park that I was going to be using to raise money for various things. And we'll have more information out this next week, but it uh, looks like March 28th we will have a function out at Apache Junction. And we're going to be, I'm going to be bringing several of the items that I've pulled out of Phoenix Greyhound Park to raffle off there to benefit the uh, jockeys that have been disabled. There's a fund that helps them out, um, keeps them, it gives them a check every month because uh, they can no longer ride and all that. So it'll be, it'll be a great time, but hopefully next week we'll have more information on that. Way cool. Yep. And just also a reminder, as you had brought up, uh, if those of you are interested, you know, Give a consideration to adopting a Greyhound, and you can uh, find out more information about Greyhounds at greyhoundpets.org. With that, I think I should now bring in our guest, Ethan. Ethan Orr, he uh, grew up in Tucson, fourth-generation Arizonian. Um, Fourth-generation. God, what have you been there? Has family been there in Tombstone? It is a little odd. Was your family in in Tombstone involved in the shootout there? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I like to think that, but we are an old mining family from uh, Morency and uh, Globe, actually pronounced uh, Miami, yep. uh, near Globe. Uh, but yeah, my grandfather was born in Miami and, and worked in the Superior Mine, and my, my father was born in Morency, and uh, uh, his, uh, my grandfather was a mining engineer, and he went into uh, teaching. And I grew up in Tucson, so I'm 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 a, I'm a rarity, an Arizona native. Yeah, and you um, just looking at your bio, you've done a lot of work here in Arizona. You've been a legislative member, been involved in a lot of nonprofits, charities, helping out, uh, mental first aid, um, just doing a lot for the uh, for our community. And now they're working with the uh, University of Arizona. And last weekend, when I was at uh, Relito Horse Track, and of course I've seen the students before, and Kathy, you you can. You've heard me many a yes, times say many times. Um, probably the one course I can remember, and this is going back. This is a high school course. The one course I remember, I and today I will say, helped me out the most with what I do was small engine repair. And I know you've said last yeah. time I told you that was like, why was it small engine repair? Because it taught me how to do some critical thinking, how to find a problem and then solve it. And there's a program at the University of Arizona that. These students are getting what I think is the most valuable experiences ever. Um, so, uh, Ethan, why don't you, um, can you tell us a little bit about the university, and then maybe we could talk a little bit about this program that's going on there at the University of Arizona, besides basketball? <laughs> Absolutely, Rory and Kathy. And by the way, I, I, I had the privilege of being at the basketball game last night, and I'm, I'm thankful we won. All it right. It uh, would have been a little painful <laughs> if we hadn't, but uh, you know, it's always good when we can – pull out a W this close to tournament time. Um, one of the things, like you were talking about, Rory, I, I think, I, well, one, I started, uh, what do we care about foundationally? And one of the things we're going to talk about as we talk about this program is, of course, the equine wellness and some of the work I've done, actually, to support our friends, the Greyhounds. And it's the quality of care that is our base thing. And then I look at our students, and we have all these crazy things going around the U of A. We have all kinds of programs. But I look at it, to me, the most basic thing is the most fundamental and essential, and that's our education, a love of knowledge, a love of our students, and really equipping our students to go out and be world changers. And I think about my first, I worked my way through, like many of us in undergrad, I I worked on multiple restaurants and waiting tables, but my first, uh, it actually started out as an internship and turned into my first job at the city of South Tucson. It was a small city. And uh, I was the management intern, and I just took on a ton of different tasks. And, and part of that was the price of my admission is I learned a lot. I put in the effort, and I learned real-life experience. And, and as I've, I've been fortunate enough to have business people that have been my mentors, and it's really the experience by learning, like you said, with your small engine um, class and experience, that means so much. Because I, I can sit and lecture to you, but until you've had to do a balance sheet or a financial report, you don't know what you're doing. Exactly. So last year, the University of Arizona, our racetrack, in, uh, industry program, which is one of the top rated in the nation, created a partnership with the Rito, par, uh, Rito Races, which is a small racetrack, but it's a historic one. It's where a lot of our first quarter horses were bred. It's, it's, it's got a, an amazing legacy. And the program, the entire racetrack, is run entirely by students. 
So you can walk downstairs, and, and the simulcast is done by a student group. The, um, not only the filming, but the live on-air analysis, uh, a lot of the back-end stuff for the entire racetrack is done by our, our, super, our students. They're well-supervised. They're well-trained, and by the time they're done, they can apply. And, and as you know, the horse racing industry is a small, wonderful world. They're equipped to go into any racetrack and really kind of bring the goods. Exactly. Uh, I can just say from my experience as a racing commissioner here in Arizona, when I occasionally have to call other organizations, like a few weeks ago, I had to call NYRA. And for those who don't know, that's a New York Racing Association. And the guy who answers the phone, we started talking. And then next thing you know, he's like, oh, yeah, I met you at uh, when you were down visiting us. Uh, these students go on to great jobs um, uh, as well. And also something as an observer, I can tell you, it's not like they're like, uh, I'm just here because I got to do this to get my degree or whatever. You can see the smiles, the happiness on their face. They they are appreciative of what they're learning there. Absolutely. And and, and one thing that made my day, and I, I don't know if you had a chance to meet him, and it was, a, again, I really enjoyed talking to you during the race, um, but there was a gentleman from North Dakota that had taken the time to, to come and observe and, and his whole whole goal from the North Dakota Racing Commission was to set up the exact same program. And, and, and the good thing about being in a land-grant institution is our job is to serve. And if we can create a program that works in Arizona, we're happy to help our other states and create one that works in North Dakota. Exactly. Yeah, I did get a chance to meet with him. And he was actually kind of shocked at how much I get paid to be a racing commissioner here in Arizona. <laughs> because I'm telling you, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, 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 that $30 really goes far, you know, but keeps our taxes down. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it is. Uh, Kathy, I mean, if you had been there with me and you get to observe these kids, uh, they're actually young men and women, they're, they're, and they are learning. You can just see the excitement in their face. Um, I, I actually, you know, when I graduated from high school a long time ago, I joined the military because I didn't know what I wanted to do. But if I had known there was this program back then, um, that may have been something that had um, sparked my interest. Right. And, and what's great is that something like this keeps the uh, you know, upcoming generations interested and, and viable. And thus the sport and the way it's done is continually you know, re rejuvenated. I mean, new ideas will come with those new, new participants. Right. And, um, well, yeah. And, and Kathy, I, I just wanted to weigh in. I, I agree with you 100% because our real goal is love of knowledge, love of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. If you can, this, this, this will, it makes sense. I, I recently, I have, I have young daughters and a, a, a high school age son. I took them skiing for the first time. We have rodeo break because we're Tucson. Um, <laughs> we have a rodeo break a few weeks ago. <laughs> it is the real thing. But um, um, I went up the snowball, and my only goal for my daughters, particularly because one, one just turned 10, one is 13, I want you to love skiing. I don't care about your technical proficiency on our first run out. I don't want you to be an expert. I want you to do this. I want you to love it because if you love it, you will learn it. Mm -hmm. And you're right. Our, my real impartation are we certainly have management skills and financial skills and marketing skills that all of our students are learning, but they need to learn the love of the sport and the care and love of the animal. Definitely. And if they have that, they'll find a way to get the rest. Right. Right. And, and you know, a, a program like yours, I mean, you know, a lot of, you know, children as they learn their love of animals, oh, I want to be a vet, I want to do this. But, you know, not everybody can be a vet. I sure as heck couldn't. But a program like this where you're learning, you know, ab about the whole sport and the different aspects of the sport gives someone who, you know, may not – have the the smarts to be a vet or or the stomach to be a vet you you've allowed them to do and in, be involved with animals and and do something they love but in maybe a different avenue um so i think that's great it's a shame nothing like that was ever developed for you know greyhound racing well with what you just said another exciting aspect um because we're all want to see we're all want to we care about the animals right. the horses and one of the things yeah. um 
every time I know that a horse is, horse is euthanized, it, it's just a sad moment. But I see some of these students that are back there in the vet, from the veterinarian side, back there working with the, the experienced vets, learning how to do these wellness checks and observing the horses. I think just that alone, it, give it five years, we're going to start seeing a difference and maybe, maybe not have as many breakdowns because uh, we have these young veterinarians that have this experience coming in and will be hopefully, you know, make, helping us make a change down the road. Right. Rory, you are absolutely right. And, you know, a lot of this is, it's a, a luck of the draw sometimes, but last year, uh, and, and we're proud so far um, with the animal, but last year we had no horse racing indis- injuries. And we credit some of that to fortuitous luck and, and some of it to our equine wellness program because the owners and the jockeys care about that horse and we allow our students who learn some basic veterinarian skills to look at the horse and make sure the horse is actually ready to run at that moment in time and then the owner has all the information do i run it or do i not and it's that extra level of care that gives the owner the the information of do i want to be running this horse or maybe i need to let the horse rest that has been protecting our animals Yep. Yep. And, you know, another thing that I think is is great is the track down in Tucson. It is absolutely charming. It is so, in my opinion, uh, being a transplant from Chicago, that is like the Southwest atmosphere that I was always looking for. It's, it's a fun track to go to. It's, it's, it's very personalized. You can see it. You, every, you know, you get a whole... You know, aspect. I grew up with Arlington Park track in in the Chicagoland area. It was way too commercialized. It's too big. It's too you know, boom, boom, boom. Whereas this is almost like a the family rodeo. It's, it's just a, a it, nice it, day. It is. It and and Kathy, you're you're absolutely right. It's almost like sometimes I, I want to go to Chili's or McDonald's because I know exactly what I'm going to get, and it's extremely professional, uh, excellent service. And sometimes I want to be up and pacing and go to the Beeline Cafe because I may not know what I'm going to get, but they're going to chat me up, and it could be pretty good. Yeah. And and I, I you're right. I feel that way about our track. It's a homespun track with an incredible legacy and a big dream. And and if you look at this, if you ever watch the simulcast, particularly in in um, February in the early races, you have the Catalina Mountains, which are these majestic mountains yes. in the background. Yep. And when they're snow capped, and you watch the horses Ooh. finish on that, it, it's <laughs> awe inspiring. Yeah, it is, it's a beautiful sight. It is. And just a little bit back on, on the atmosphere there. I just love, like tomorrow I'll be at Turf Paradise. Mm-hmm. And when the horses are coming in the paddock there, the, the, the public is a little distance away. Mm-hmm. Whereas at Rito, they're, they're right up they're there, right all there. gathered around the fence. <laughs> the jockeys are, will always go up and say hi to the children. And then when they ride down through that tunnel to go out to the track, there'll be kids up on the, on the wall and the jockeys sometimes will fist bump them yeah. it is a it's it's it is a family atmosphere and everyone yeah. is just so enjoying it uh, even last week when i was back there touring the backside, how many of the stables was the the parents and then the young children there and just to go back to a little bit on the on the wellness the, the horses being checked by these veterinarians and the students it's not they're just looking them real quick they are putting the horses through the, you know, their steps back there, and they're, they're going to make a difference, and I, I, I feel that. That's why I'm excited about our future is because of this program at the University of Arizona. Lori, you're absolutely right, and it's that element of care and love for the animal and love for the sport. And, and I think what, what I, I, I truly appreciate about this sport is you can have – so many nuances and kind of entries into it because I, I look at the, the Turf Paradise facility is truly an awe-inspiring facility. It's, it's professional. It's well done. And, and sometimes for a neophyte, it, it, it's a little, a little, like you said, distant and you, you're, you're impressed, but you're not part of the family. A, a good entry race. We have a lot of families. I, I have a friend who was a county supervisor here for years. And he would get a table right by the window, and he has two sons that I grew up with. And, and even now, you know, I'm in, in my mid-40s, and this started uh, decades ago. 
his families would come and they'd, they'd, it's, you know, four or five hours of racing and they would bring, his kids would bring his grandkids and, and they'd stay for an hour or two and have a burger and fries. And then they say, dad, I'm, I need to move. And then his other son would come. And, and what it was, it was just a t- chance for a grandfather to, to hold court. And throughout the day, his entire set of sons and grandsons and granddaughters would come through. And it was a family day. And horses happened to be the backdrop experience, but it was really about family. And that's why I see a lot of that at the Rito Downs. Exactly. Well, I was going to say, did you maybe, why don't we take a, a break early? Because I've got a couple of questions, and I know it's not going to be a two-second answer. So I'm, well, I'm going to send a red alert to, to Aaron. Aaron, the engineer guy. <laughs> if, um, you, if you're ready, Aaron, I think we're going to go to break a little early. And we will be back with more Greyhounds Make Great Pets and our guest, Ethan Orr. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Variety Channel. Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. The GPA, that's 
Greyhound Pets of America. If you would like information on how you can adopt an ex-racing Greyhound, call 800-366-1472. These dogs are fit, healthy, happy, playful pets, good with children, and oh, do they love lots of hugs. Adopt a cool Greyhound today. Call 800-366-1472. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Greyhounds Make Great Pets with Rory, TJ, and Kathy. To find out more about the show and what we do, please send an email to gmgp3 at yahoo.com. That's gmgp3 at yahoo.com. Now, back to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. And Rory and I are back with the bottom half of Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Yes, I'm in a spring training mode, and I don't know what I'm talking about because I know nothing about baseball. (laughs) But our guest today is Ethan Orr, who is the Assistant Vice President for Government Affairs and Community Partnership at the University of Arizona. We are talking all things way cool going on in the horse world and with the students at ASU. Ethan, welcome Not back. ASU. That, oh, you just committed a what? crime. What did I say? Bad girl, bad dog, bad dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hit me on the nose with a rolled up newspaper. <laughs> Kathy, it, it, it's okay. I, I'm, 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 I actually, just so you know, in my life, I'm committing a little bit of heresy. I got my undergraduate and graduate from the U of A, but I'm currently working on a doctorate from ASU. So I have this little <laughs> treacherous thing going on. And so I, 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 I'm honored if you say ASU. Well, if my uh, bosses find out, they'll kill me. <laughs> well, okay, just tell them I'm really, really blonde. <laughs> and I am. <laughs> well, I, I would just say, as, as somebody who lives here in Arizona, I, I am actually proud of our two universities, actually the three, the one up in Flag, uh, Flagstaff. Uh, I mean, oh, I think. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you guys thought I was yeah. bad. The, the one without really a decent football or basketball program. Yeah. <laughs> no. well, well, I do have to say one one side story. When I was in the legislature, I made it, you know, you make those fun bets, and I knew we were probably going to lose the football game. And so I, I made a bet with uh, actually Representative Shope, one of my friends, on who was going to win the U of A ASU football game, and the loser had to dress up in sports paraphernalia from the other school and go get a picture with the mascot. So I, there's multiple pictures, blackmail pictures of me and Sparky. But um, <laughs> you know, he gave me the ASU tie after ASU unfortunately beat us, and there was something about the tie. I, I felt a little bit slower, and things were a little bit dimmer and harder, and I, I, I wasn't sure what it was, but uh, the instant I put in the tie, I just couldn't think straight. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so now I get it, because I uh, the only sport I used to actually pay attention to was the uh, University of Michigan, Michigan State football game. And by pay attention to it, um, I would go to a restaurant in, in Saugatuck, Michigan when it was on, and I would watch the crowd. One side of the room was rooting for one, one side of the room was rooting for the other. And that is my extent of, of you know, professional sports. And well, then, that's college sports now. There again. Well, a blonde I, moment. A blonde moment. All right. Listen. But, but it's okay. For those of us at the U of A, whenever we lose the ASU football game, our, our comeback is there's always basketball season. Yeah. So we, we, we always have a comeback. But, but I, I'm with Rory. I'm, I'm actually very thankful for all three universities. And, and we leave our rivalry on the field. And it's an intense, fun rivalry. Uh-huh. But uh, what gratifies me working at a university, our faculty and and our our staff and people doing stuff to serve the state, they all work together pretty well. Exactly, it's, it's the football field that we're gonna we're gonna put some blood out there. It, it kind of reminds me, I was in the Navy, uh, served ten and a half years, and there was rivalry between uh, Navy, Air Force, Marines, and all that. But when it came time, everybody works together. We were one, and I, and I 
very ex- excited as a citizen of Arizona, the education our, our universities are um, pushing out. Now, we'll get back to, yeah. back to our subject of today. The <laughs> <laughs> question uh, I would have is, um, how did, how did the, this program and all that, how did this come into being there at the University of Arizona? Well, one of the things, and I have to say, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit as we get into it about our new College of Veterinary Sciences as well. Um, one, and I, um, our dean, our vice president and dean of uh, College of Agriculture and Life Sciences, Dr. Shane Burgess, in many, many ways, he's a visionary. And he envisioned a new way, which we'll talk about for our College of Veterinary Sciences. Uh, we were talking at the break that I'll talk about. We, we actually have 80 Arabians um, that we're working with on, on one of our ranches and experiment stations and working with the breeding and the care, equine care. And this was one of the things that he kind of envisioned. Uh, we had uh, the Rito racetrack. We had this relationship with them. And we looked at the injury reports. And, and as you know, Rory and, and Kathy, so many of these injuries are just sort of these common things. I mean, there's, there's catastrophic injuries, but so many times, you know, the, 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 something would happen in the horse like, oh, I, I wish I'd known that about the leg or I wish I'd known this. And it's that extra level of care. And so as we were talking, we, like I said, we have a racetrack management program, which is under the College of Agriculture. And if you want to get a great training in racetrack management, this is the place to come. It's one of the top in the nation. We have a number of people that go on even to the Derby. And they, you know, so we have this great program and we would get this continual feedback from the tracks and the owners about the, when I, when we'd read the injury reports, I wish I had known X. And so we looked at it and like, well, we have, we're trying to create a vet, a vet school. We're really into equine wellness. Like I said, we have a ranch where we're learning how to take better care of their horses. Why don't we put those together and have a practical level of protection for our racetrack partners. And so that's, that was really what it came from, was so many of our injuries were simple and could have been avoided and prevented if we had only known. And, and so that, that the whole thing was kind of born out of that discussion. And then we started looking at, like, how what, what can we train our students so they get a lot of pre-vet work and a lot of veterinarian kind of training, the rudiments, and they go through. And like you saw, Rory, they, they put the horses through the paces and so the owner knows what's going on with that horse, not just from yesterday, but from right before the race. And so we have real-time reports on the condition of the horse, real-time if there's, there's any sort of injury that, that you don't notice when it's, it's walking out to the track, but that would be catastrophic if it was on the track. They get that level of security. And so really that's all, all it came from is so many of our problems in horse racing and, frankly, in life, are we just didn't have the right process in place. Exactly. And, you know, and also from the university point, I, th- I think it's really great because you, you have a lot of these great minds there at the university. And with when you start collecting data, they may be able to start seeing some things that will help us even further in the future as what changes we need to make. So I, it's just really exciting. Absolutely, Rory. And, and, and what, I, what I'm most excited about that, you know, and we talk about this whole land-grant concept going back to the 1850s, and I, I, I could riff on that for hours, and I'll spare our listeners that, <laughs> but the whole concept of we make knowledge, knowledge applicable and practical. Knowledge is not just this esoteric thing that no one understands. Knowledge transforms lives. And so we are very practical here. So you don't have just a bunch of academics in the racetrack industry pontificating about a utopian racetrack. They're looking at data and they say, okay, how do we, how do we practically change that? How do we apply this big data set that we've been analyzing where we see the same injury in 50% of the cases? How do we practically eliminate that same injury? And so it's, it's a very applied science, which is, which is so gratifying. And I'll, I'll just say this for the students there, um, in, in life or even in my real job, because I do not do commission work full time, there's, <laughs> there's gratification. Um, one of the things I always enjoy is that I learn something almost every week in my, even my real job, even though I've been doing it for years, and also gratification in knowing that I'm making a difference going forward for my clients. For me as a commissioner, what, I, what keeps me going is not just um, being there supporting the people I represent, but knowing that we have a future, a future that's going to make a difference. And for me, I see it that it's going to be 
we're going to bear down on this issue. I had to say bear down because that's University of Arizona, bear down. But w w w that's to me what keeps me going is knowing these students are going to be our future and will make it even brighter and better for the industry and for the horses. And, and, and Rory, you're absolutely right. And, and part of that is we've got to make the experience better and we've got to protect injuries. I mean, you, there's nothing worse than, you know, I, I think of my, my youngest daughter, a 10-year-old, when I bring her to the track, she loves the horses, she loves watching them race, and it would be incredibly scarring and detrimental if she saw something catastrophic happen to an animal. You know, and that's the kind of thing that would make one of our, our young um, watchers, our acolytes, look at this and like, I don't want anything to do with that sport. And, and the people that oppose the sport saying, well, look at how they treat the horses, not realizing the love, care, and attention that many and most owners put into that animal. It, it, they, they, it's an investment, and it's a friend in some cases as part of the family. We don't mistreat animals, or most people don't do it. And so the more that we can avoid these catastrophic things, and make the overall experience better for everyone, the better the, the industry and the tradition does over generations. Definitely, because, I mean, there's the main goal, I think, of any industry, any business, any corporation is yeah. you solve the problems. You, you make yeah. sure the, the negative that you know your opposition can focus on is eliminated and if this these programs that are offered to the students allow them to you know look at new ways to to help and to treat and to just look at the basics and say we can do this better we can can help those horses and we can stop these injuries from happening it's it's that's what you need that's what education is all about right and you know, and, and and we're creating the experience. I mean, every I, I know now that I've, I've I've started, and I didn't like I said I went with friends, but my family never went to to horse racing. My, my kids grow up, and they'll they'll go to it because I take them. But more than that, I want them to have these incredibly fond memories of the racetrack. Mm -hmm. Isn't just about horse racing. It's about family. It's about fun. And and there's so many quintessential American traditions, horse racing being one of them, that like baseball, yes, it's about the game, but it's also about all the things that happen while we're watching the game. Well, it, and that's the experience we really want to create. Right. And like you said with your daughters, be it, be it at the track, be it skiing, taking them to a baseball game, those are the memories that children remember. I mean, you're, they're at those formative years where you're exposing them to these things, and they're either going to latch on to it or they're not. Um, I went to a lot of um, deer parks in northern Wisconsin as a little kid. And I, you know, to uh, me, just, you know, going out somewhere and seeing, you know, wild animals just doing what they're supposed to do, I still find that absolutely <laughs> fascinating. And, you know, I get upset when they run away and I've got a handful of corn and they don't want it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, the track in Tucson, it's it's so, so, like you said, family-oriented, and it's tradition, and those are the kind of things that um, we as Americans should embrace and, and, you know, continue to be better for and to... Revolving, you know, involving animals. There's a lot of people who don't feel that using animals for sport or entertainment is a good thing. Well, it to me, it's not a good thing if those animals are in any way mistreated. If they're not and they're cared for and it can be proven, there's nothing wrong with it. Like you said, most of these these horses and in many cases even with grounds, these are family members. These are not just. Well, oh, and I would rather my my children fall in love and learn how to care for an animal than frankly a video game which is going uh, yes, to anyway. Yep. And, you, you know this is this is an aspect of i mean and 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 we do live this way but you know it's not only my, my daughter growing but if we one of the things i'm also uh, in the cooperative extension we oversee the 4-h program and we have a, a basically a, a saying of you know if you want to teach a kid responsibility Give them an animal they actually have to take care of. Yes. And then they do. And my, my daughters were fortunate enough that my middle daughter does ride horsing. And, and she, at, at, much to my chagrin, will probably do some of the, the collegiate rodeo type stuff when she grows up. But the way that she cares for the horse and the way that she interacts with the animal 
really creates a responsibility and a bond that I think is incredibly valuable. Yes. And, 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 and again, in this case, the animal is her friend. The animal isn't something that we work to death. The animal is part of what we do. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to kind of circle back on something. Um, it's really sad for all, and I'm, I'm speaking more to the greyhound industry. The greyhound industry, a number of years ago, was was a little involved with the, the program down there at um, the University of Arizona. And then at some point in time, they decided, yeah, we're not coming to the symposium anymore. And they kind of just really stepped away. And you can kind of yeah. see what happened to the greyhound industry. Whereas if they may have stayed with them, who knows? They may have finally, what I kept asking for is like, you guys need to start reducing these injuries. We need to start looking at what is the cause and start reducing it and no one worked that whereas if they would have stayed with the university of arizona and kept coming to the december symposium working with it maybe there may the different outcome but they walked away from it and look where you're at now Lori, I, I agree with you a hundred percent because i think there, there is a small group of people and i see this even I'm, I'm taking my my cooperative extension team and a bunch of educators to the races this saturday um there, there are some people that object on, on personal and ethical grounds, and I truly respect that. But I think a vast majority of Americans and a vast majority of us in Arizona understand um, all of the, the beneficial aspects in horse and, and, and dog racing. But what they can't understand is things that come across as outright cruelty, running an injured animal uh, catastrophic injuries, and you're absolutely right. If we, as industry, and as we, as as horse and dog racing lovers, do all that we can to protect the animal and show our care for the animal, now I think 70, 80 percent of Americans, at least, all look at this and like that's a pretty good sport. I see animals that are cared for. It's when you see this this one rogue owner and this one rogue racetrack that does something awful that now all of a sudden you've created a horrific story that no one supports and everyone opposes. And that really has been harmful and detrimental to the industry. Exactly. It's, it's hard to overcome a negative public perception. And sadly, bad news sells. Yeah. You know, so, of course, though, you know, you never see the good stories. I mean, I get feeds regarding the show and, and other things, you know, for information. And I got to say the, the good stories regarding greyhounds in general, they don't come across anymore. They're, they're just not out there. And that's a shame. Now, Ethan, yeah. you had mentioned something. There's a word you just brought up a few seconds ago, respect. So I, I kind of wanted to change tunes here a little bit and kind of talk about, because with your experience on the legislative how to interact with your legislative members. I know we seem to be living in a world today where some they'll vote on something, and if you don't like it, you just run out to Facebook and call the legislative member <laughs> names and all that. That's not going to affect real change. So we're, I want to start really working on how to teach people to to bring about real change. And it's not on Facebook. It's your your interaction with the legislative members. So I guess my question would be, oh, I'll let you go then. (laughs) No, no, no. Well, I I wanted to thank you for that. And I I think you're right. I think one thing that I I believe respect always begins, particularly in a political environment, of understanding. And what I liked particularly about our state legislature, I I never, you know, served in in Congress, but when I was in the state legislature, it was the equivalent of double-A or triple-A ball. Um, But even if there were people that I adamantly disagreed with, and, you know, there were many, and I'm sure they disagreed with me as well, though I can't imagine why. Um, <laughs> I would sit there, and there, especially times that we're passing the budget, and it's three in the morning, and people are going at each other. And I want to say there are only in, in the House 60 of us out of over 7 million, 7.1 million people now that are experiencing this at the moment, at this moment. We need to understand each other. And the thing that I saw among my, my fellow colleagues, I, 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 I am a Republican, and even the, I would see it in the Republicans, I'd see it in the Democrats. They passionately care about what they care about, and they all want to make our state a better place. There were very few people that were there for reasons. I may have disagreed with where they wanted to take our state and how they wanted to make our state better, but at the end of the day, I really believe that a vast majority, if not every member up there, wanted to make the state a good place. 
in their own way. And they cared about their district in their own way. And so I start from a position of goodwill. And then I really tried to understand my colleagues and I tried to understand uh, where they were coming from. And by doing, creating that understanding, you could suddenly, and this is, this is really what makes Arizona, historically Arizona, you can have a Mo Udall and a Barry Goldwater and a Carl Hayden that are diametrically opposed on many issues but that they go and they care deeply about Arizona. Carl Hayden didn't agree with Mo Udall on, or, or Goldwater on just about every major <laughs> issue, but they both agreed that Arizona is important. And so Carl Hayden, when he was up there, he would stalk the halls of the U.S. Senate until he got funding for the Central Arizona Project. And if it wasn't for that, Phoenix wouldn't be Phoenix, and Tucson wouldn't be Tucson. We couldn't sustain these populations without the kind of foresight in water investment and infrastructure because of these people that can put their differences aside and care about our state. And then one thing that I have to say, if people approach it with respect and understanding, a constituent that walks into the Capitol, um, and, and technically I, I, part of my job is lobbying, um, the constituent is more important than the lobbyist because the constituent is the only person that has the authority if they use it to hire and fire those representatives. And I just want to tell a quick story that kind of is an archetype of it. There was a member and he'll remain nameless because he's actually still there, but I was on a committee with him and he was well experienced and he was even rude to some of the other members. You know, he was just sort of that guy. (laughs) And I remember one committee I was in with him and he was chairing and one of his constituents, and he's actually a Metro Phoenix area, uh, walked in and just needed to talk to him for something. And this person who didn't have time even for other members sometimes handed the guy out gavel of the vice chair walked out and gave this uh, person from his district a quick tour and spent about 10, 15 minutes just going over some stuff with him and walked back. And it was an epiphany as, as that person, as the member walked back in, I realized that a constituent truly is, and I know it, it sounds a little Pollyanna-esque, but again, because you're the only ones that, that vote for us as elected officials, really is the most important person at the Capitol when they come to the Capitol. And the tough thing is so many people feel intimidated because you go and you don't know where to go and everyone's running around in suits and they're, they're speaking in terms like cow committee of the whole, and you don't know what they're saying that you feel this asymmetric knowledge thing and you feel intimidated. But the reality is the real power, at least at the state level, and I hope it will always remain this way remains with the voters and the constituents who can respectfully engage and convey their point with their elected officials. Exactly. Well, and definitely the respectful. Respectful. I think, that's yeah. the key word. <laughs> I, I will say I, I got more than my fair share of death threats, and that was unfortunate. But And what I would do as a, as a total aside, I, I'm – um, there are many of us, and unfortunately, the, the Gabby Gifford shooting, some of them uh, were my friends, and I would go running with one in particular. And, and, and actually, I think I got in good shape for my death threats because I'm like, you know what? I'm going go, to go running and honor Gabe with this one. But that, that, is, that is not a way to convey your point. No. It is sometimes a very silly way, and it makes us laugh. Um, but the reality is if you can respectfully convey what you believe, people will listen. Exactly. Now, you, with the intimidation, I, I got to tell a little story on my own. Uh, when I was appointed to the commission, of course, you have to go through a Senate confirmation hearing. And I show up for my confirmation hearing. Now, again, I'm nervous because I have to get up before these people. And then they're, they're teaching me, okay, you address the chair first, and then you address the senator that asked a question. And going through all that, and I'm trying to remember all this stuff. And then right before <laughs> the governor's people say, we don't want to make you nervous, but it's like, oh, crap, what's, what's coming? <laughs> they can ask you anything they want. Okay, now you just scared the crap out of me. <laughs> Remember when you cheated on that third grade test? Yeah. They know. They know everything. Yeah. But, 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 but respect is the key. I've, I've seen so many, even on the Greyhound racing side, people getting really angry and sending... I'm making nasty remarks about uh, politicians, legislative members, um, uh, uh, processes, and it's like that is not going to get you anywhere. Uh, I can guarantee no. you these people that you may not agree with them or on the vote that you just did, but I can guarantee you, you probably you'll find something that the two of you do have in common. 
and you've just ruined any any chance of a good relationship or a good workingship if you you've come out of attacking them. So respect is key. Well, and and no one's going to listen to anyone if the first you know. F- sentence of their their tirade begins with every four letter word they can string together <laughs> i mean you you've absolutely lost it at that point i mean you know you're you're just a lunatic to to the politician you're trying to approach yep and and there's i mean it's a a, a technical communication but a cognitive dissonance it's if you say something that is so far outside of my span of belief I'm going to naturally oppose you. Exactly. And, and But one thing that I think about as you're thinking about, and this is where I get the nostalgia a little bit for, for America and baseball and racing, but it, I really believe all of this, and I think most of us do. I, I yearn for time, and I believe we'll, we'll establish it again, when my country is more important than my party and doing the right thing for the people I represent is more important than, than scoring a, a, an ephemeral victory. And I, I, I would see it, I, I, being part of the majority party, it was much easier. It's one of the only times in my life I felt like a privileged citizen. It was easier for me to pass bills than those in the minority party. And I would actually push back on my own colleagues because they wouldn't like a particular member. And I'd pull them aside and say, if we disenfranchise this member, it's not about this member. It's about the 200, 220,000 people that they represent. And so if we denigrate another member's bill because we don't like another member, what we're really doing is we're disenfranchising a good portion of our state and our fellow Arizonans. And that really resonated. I think I, saw, I still saw a lot of respect for institution. And I think in the main people want to get back to a place where we can set aside kind of these insane differences over nothing and say, what do we do to RSDs, libertarians, greens, whoever you are, what do we do to make our state better? What do we do to make our country better? And even a win for you isn't necessarily a loss for me. Exactly. Well, we have just a couple of minutes left. So, um, Ethan, is there any last words you have regarding the, the program there, University of Arizona? Well, I, Maria and Kathy, I just want to thank you um, for the time to be on here. I, I just want to say, and, and I do, I just have to slip it in because you said bear down. I also have to say forks up. Um, <laughs> you know, all, all three universities, I think, have this ideal. We are here to serve, and I know I certainly speak for myself and, and the College of Agriculture in this. We're here to serve Arizona. Um, the whole creation between the College of Veterinary Sciences wasn't a bunch of academics trying to do an academic thing. It was actually driven um, by the cattle growers and, and our animal people. In fact, the, the person I went to the game with is a, a big rancher from northern Arizona, and, and he was talking about how he's, they've wanted this for over 50 years. Our job as an academic institution should be, and I believe some of us are pushing it towards, is to serve the state and to have applied knowledge make the state a better place. And so as listeners have ideas of how do we promote horse racing, how do we maybe bring back greyhound racing, how can we work with academia to do it, we are open to those ideas. And we do appreciate you joining us here today. For those listening in Kansas, you don't have to go to, you know, you may have your children there at the farm. There's another university other than one of those in Kansas that you might be really interested in sending your kids to. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, that, I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank Aaron, our engineer, another great job. Tacey, our producer, thank you. All those here in Arizona that will be at the Wiener Nationals tomorrow, uh, look me up. I'll say hi to you. And for all those worldwide, hug those hounds. For listening this week to Greyhounds Make Great Pets. Please join your hosts, Rory Goray, TJ Beater, and Kathy Goray for another edition of our program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a wonderful week.